Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage, 100% non-GMO. We had a fun Friday, just like we always do. Uh, the Shields of Twilight ventured into the mountains on a very important hunting trip to regain their honor and repay their blood debt. They fought some giants, killed a fancy buffalo, uh, play in the dirt, you know, Peregrine got to be solidly in her element for once. Uh, everybody got their boots a bit muddy. Uh, then later on, Oriana connected with her family. That was fun. Uh, we've got guests tonight. We've got questions for those guests. That's all coming up right now. Um, as always, stick around after the stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Um, joining me today is Laura, as you can see. Oh, D. The, the beautiful Laura, who plays Peregrine. Um, biscuits and for, such. Yeah, biscuits and such. Y'all. Um, I, I did that one already. Keep up. <laughs> yeah, you missed it. Okay, sorry. I, I said howdy and also y'all. I was thinking about how long it's been since Oriana, since, um, not Oriana, since Laura has been on the show. Oriana's on here like every other week. Um, yeah, Laura's going to be here, but she's running a teeny bit late, so Chad is filling in. Yeah, y'all got to um, deal with me. And just ha. like, just like channeling his wife until she can be here. And then we got Jake, who does play Oriana, is here like every other week. Hi, guys. Um, so you guys went hunting, uh, communed with nature, and a and that was of it. Wild beasts. Yeah. So oh. what's the damage from all that? Oh gosh, um, you ended biggest, so um, I'm not even here technically. <laughs> Just now, it's your turn for the elephant in the room. Answer as Laura. Answer as Laura. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that was an interesting experience for Oriana. That's, I mean, she, we've been traveling, but she's never really considered it like roughing it in any mm -hmm. way. I mean sleeping in, in in like the early days of the party before we had the the um the study you know they would sleep in tents and stuff like that and it was just kind of like yeah oh, well you know this this is a unnecessary part of this lifestyle and i'm growing more and more accustomed to it but actually having to rough it and uh you know go out and hunt things uh seeing um a close friend of hers butcher a living animal uh <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah definitely definitely a new experience for oriana not not yeah, something it's not it's not exactly everything. glamping yeah yeah she's she's a little used to that glamping mm -hmm. i do oh, believe we've got our There's other guest there she is getting pushed in by her very helpful husband. She appears to mic herself up. I'm just going to narrate what she's doing. <laughs> Let's see. She appears to be fumbling for her headphones. Oh, what's the next move now, Laura? <laughs> doing full commentary. There she uh, goes. First headphone in. 
No sound as of yet. We're doing golf commentary. Second headphone in. She brings it home. Hello, Laura. Hi, y'all. Welcome back. It's been so long. <laughs> Go away, um, Chad. I, <laughs> I apologize for what was probably Chad's horrendous accent. Oh, I didn't do well. We only got the barest glimpse of his attempt at your accent, unfortunately. Biscuits. <laughs> y'all. Cool beans. Okay, so you only missed the what's the damage question. Um, any damage in particular you want to go over before we move on? I don't think so. I mean, Perry currently does not have as much damage, although there is some. Given she feels incredibly around. guilty about what happened mm -hmm. in the bazaar. Mm, yeah, yeah. We're going to have some fun talking about that because um, you haven't been on for a while. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah. Screw grad school, y'all. Um. <laughs> um, actually, why don't we dive right into that? Um, I don't think we got Perry's perspective really after the massacre in the bazaar. Yeah. Um, we all know she felt quite bad about that. Yeah. Um, she did not at all go into that with the idea that they were going to kill a bunch of people. In fact, she was hoping that taking the big guy would intimidate them into giving them a way to get their stuff back. Um, and she had no intention of killing anybody. And the moment she realized just the bare minimum of her thorn whip was that bad, she immediately went into crowd control and can I stop this mode? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely, it was interesting to see like her shock as I think she whipped a guy in half, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, no, Doesn't I missed, it's day. fine. <laughs> I missed, it's fine. Um, okay. Perry will pull back now. Oh, wait, no, she didn't miss oh, wait, and no. that's brutal. Oops. Oh, Oops. oh, oh, this is some Mortal Kombat shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did Perry think about what your punishment ended up being from the Desert Rose? Because it ended up being really a chance to redeem yourself more than any kind of real punitive consequence. Um, well, Perry feels incredibly grateful to be given the opportunity to make things right. Um, as far as she's concerned, it might be a more lenient, you know, punishment than they really deserve given mm -hmm. what happened. Um, so she's really, really grateful for the chance, which is why when he offered it, she immediately said, no, I'll do penance. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So she's taking like this whole going to the mountains, getting food very seriously. Very seriously. Very seriously. Yeah. I think that came through during the episode too um okay so we've caught up with you we're gonna go into last episode now and some of the um last episode and the episode before as well okay so oriana has been having some interesting conversations with a variety of interesting characters she's gotten uh varying degrees of told off several times um, I want to talk about the absolutely fascinating conversation she had with Perry first, um, starting with Perry's perspective, actually. So, Laura, um, Peregrine was obviously pretty upset due to yeah. the recent murders, but this seems kind of, from the audience perspective, like something that had been building for a bit. Is that accurate? Yeah, a little bit. Um, a lot of times Perry feels like nobody actually takes her seriously. Mm -hmm. Um it's like, well, Perry's, Perry's good for turning into animals and pulling carts and occasional crowd control. But other than that, she's just a country bumpkin. It doesn't matter. Um, so, like, when it all happened and she literally saw what happened to Quinn, she was trying to take care of him. But at the same time, all of a sudden, she was being spoken for again without her consent. And she's starting to feel like, hey, look, I can talk for myself. You know, I've got just as much of a say as anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and she kind of has had this sort of tension with Melody building as far as she sees Melody as a dear, dear friend, but she also feels like Melody sees her as less, mm -hmm. that she is 
smarter than her and better than her. And sure, Perry might have a nugget of wisdom every now and then. But honestly, eh, whatever. And she like often quaint country bumpkin yeah. wisdom. <laughs> yeah, it's oh yeah, you say you say cute shit that might be wise, but it's ultimately unimportant. And for her, it feels like what happens is when Melody doesn't get her way, Melody closes off and doesn't like actually try to explain herself and then is mad because nobody listened. And like, she was especially upset because Perry was looking and grasping for a reason not to do this, but she didn't see what else they could do. And Melody initially was like, no, no, we shouldn't do this. But it came off more to her as a judgment of we shouldn't rush into this because Quinn had already almost killed a kid. And this is just another bad Quinn idea, which isn't really the real reason we shouldn't be doing it. Um, so a lot of times she feels like when she's having a conversation with Melody, it's more Melody talks in circles and circles and circles and never actually gets around to saying anything to her or to anybody. And then gets mad because nobody understands her. Interesting. Um, so, like, as we've seen Peregrine kind of, like, grow and change while she's, like, with this adventure party in this group, it seems like she's kind of emerged as a voice of reason of sorts, especially within the last, say, five episodes. Was this kind of, like, how you envisioned this character going? Uh, no, actually. I kind of... I kind of envisioned her, she's, you know, really kind of anxious and confused and she doesn't know what she's doing because she's always followed the leadership of the tribe. Mm -hmm. And the minute she said, no, you're wrong, I've got to go, she kind of lost some structure in her life. Um, but I've kind of developed this sense that she is constantly in this sense of anxiety and about to fall to pieces but she knows that there's no time for that. And if she's going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, she must be stronger, which mm -hmm. is why she meditates. Because if she didn't, she would fly to pieces at the drop of a hat. Yeah, it's true of all of us. Yeah, it is actually, it's very interesting to watch her because I definitely think that anxiety comes through, but also you get to watch her in real time, like, diving deep into that well of strength because she's a very principled character I think mm -hmm. so I think whenever she has like this kind of everything's happening all at once so much she yeah. has sort of like a moral background that she can look to mm -hmm. and that's some what something a party needs sometimes you know yeah she believes that sometimes rules are meant to be broken mm -hmm. but also you have to do the right thing and just because you broke the rules because they need to be broken doesn't mean you weren't wrong and if you're wrong own it make wisdom up for, for it life. and get better <laughs> wisdom wisdom quaint country bumping wisdom <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool beans okay um let's talk about oriana's perspective on the various uh things not starting with peregrine we're gonna go a little bit before that um so you got some slightly unfriendly advice from the leader of the desert rose um yeah <laughs> then peregrine then your then your grandpa uh <laughs> maybe we can skip the last one um, <clears throat> um maybe uh so yeah <laughs> so did this conversation with like the head honcho of the Desert Rose go the way you or the way Oriana planned it to? Like what she want to happen there? I mean, kind of. The ultimate goal of Oriana's, for lack of a better term, um, bullshitting spree uh, <laughs> was that she legitimately thought, uh, oh, we are all going to just be murdered by the law of this land and, and and we better have at least some kind of defense in place so she looked to like okay well what evidence can we prove that this was our stuff uh, and knowing how a bag of holding works hey i have to know what's in there in order to pull it out let me do that so that they can see oh yeah this was their stuff uh and then just kind of like 
not really I mean six degree or degrees of lies but in her eyes not really lying just telling the part of the story that paints them in a more favorable light when it comes to murdering 16 people um which was that the uh 15 16 who's counting who's counting (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i mean she was just trying to show a perspective in which hey this was not what we came in to do we realized we fucked up we want to atone for this you know we're willing to do whatever it takes and again it was just a spree of bullshit to try and make sure her friends were not killed for what she honestly perceives as partly well mostly her mistake as she was a voice in favor of well let's just do this if we're gonna do this let's just do it um it was all of your mistake no everybody everybody had a role everybody could have said mistakes yeah yeah anybody could have said no but oriana started arguing for it and that's why she views it as like part of her uh mostly her fault because she is the persuasive one in the group she is the one who is the voice in in some way usually so she feels a the little face. responsible she, yeah. she yeah the face she feels very responsible for it but she she was pleased to learn that he's actually not a bad guy and is interested in you know maybe creating a friendship there or something we'll see we'll see you know thing definitely um yeah i want to talk about actually the conversation that oriana had with uh, i forget his name the leader of the desert rose he was cool i should remember his name um post the sentencing meeting essentially because she went back and talked to him again um that was kind of the conversation that i want to know was that what she wanted because he essentially just kind of made fun of her a little and and she took her she took her 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 licks yeah um yeah that was not necessarily a part of any plan oriana had she just kind of that first initial meeting was a very eye-opening situation for her in which she began to realize some of her faults and she wanted to personally apologize to him because she realized especially after talking to perry that what she did in any situation is really not the right choice it's you know trying to bullshit your way out of a situation that you caused is not how you're supposed to handle that kind of thing and she's realized a lot about herself namely that she tends to just kind of trust someone implicitly if she doesn't see a reason not to you know it it ha- it's happened in her past a lot it's happened with her mentor it's happened with members of the party it's happened you know with assumptions that have been made from people she trusts so she takes it as gospel so she wanted to apologize for making a, a, a an ass out of herself in front of a a man that she judged based on someone else's opinion who had never even met the guy cool beans um yeah now let's talk about uh oriana's perspective on the conversation with perry because that saw oriana like really kind of expressing what she saw as her flaws and then i think perry being like no these other flaws let me let me tell you about these other flaws that i think you should work on yeah yeah that was <laughs> so ori or like like i just said in that first meeting with the desert rose she had started to realize she trusts what people say at face value without really ever going into it. So when it came to that, she immediately started doing what Oriana always does, always does, overthinking everything. Mm -hmm. And just like, okay, well, how can I start breaking this bad habit? Ask more questions. Hey, while we're out there... Can we do our uh, own shit? <laughs> yeah. So, again, and that's why Oriana felt she had needed to apologize to the guy. Because after talking to Perry, she realized, yeah, she needs to work on her flaws. But she can't create new flaws 
in the process of trying to fix her flaws. You're what two step, you know, one step forward, two steps backward. You know, you can't you can't lose something to try and make a little progress on a problem. Eh, personal growth. It's messy. Very, very. <laughs> Neato. Okay. Um and that's just what happened the episode before last. Um, so last Friday, you guys went off into the woods to hunt something Perry is familiar with. Was it a relief for Peregrine to be doing something that's like goddamn normal for once? Like sustenance hunting? A hundred percent. Like the idea, oh, oh, we're just going to go do what I did like every month. Mm-hmm you know, okay, this is, this is fine. I can handle this. There's no weird in a personal drama. There's just go get meat and go get pelts. Don't trash it, bring it home. Simple. And for her, that is kind of like a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. to just be able to be, oh, I am in my element. I can do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. So did Peregrine like hunt a lot back home? What was her niche exactly in her village? She didn't really have one. Um, She was kind of just scattered all over the place because um, as she's mentioned previously, and I'm sure is going to keep coming up, she struggled a lot with her dramatic abilities for a long Mm -hmm. time. And so knowing where she fit was very difficult. Um. So she kind of did a little bit of everything. She spent some time with the healers. Um, she spent some so- time with, with the tribal guard. She spent some time hunting. And she spent a, a great deal of time, like, climbing trees and going with the hunting party. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sort of like, well, I went and did this, like, monthly hunt because I could do that. And it didn't rely too much on my abilities. Right. Non-magical hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's it like for her to be uh, in a hunting party with non-hunters? Because I assume she's used to hunting with people who know what they're doing. Incredibly frustrating. <laughs> like the in, the entire conversation of, oh, well, we'll just attack this one and also levitate this one. And Perry's like, or we could just take down this one. And if we do it quietly enough, then we can move on to the next one. Um, she was like, well, no, 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 no. Like common sense. I know how animals think I become them for heaven's sake um for her that was like incredibly frustrating and then for no one to listen when she's like y'all we can't keep trying to hunt this same stampeded herd it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen they're gone please listen to me for like five seconds (laughs) I know what I'm doing oh poor little druid poor little druid um so she was both in her element and also really Mm -hmm. infuriated with everybody Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Chad, <laughs> for your um, commentary I, from the peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, that was actually um, a, a moment where I had trouble separating player from uh, character. What was the moment? Um, Jake, Sorry, I just, ac- I just accidentally muted myself, apparently. Uh <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite quotes from, like, historical quotes is an old, I believe it's a, a Native American saying, uh, if you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a motto I, I try and usually fail to live by, uh, considering my ADHD brain loves to multitask. Um, and it, it was one of those things where I was like, I want Oriana to make this quote because it's one of my favorite quotes, but I'm like, but Oriana would have no practical experience with that. Oriana would not know <laughs> shit about this. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's very similar to that um, burn the hand to in the bush thing. Yeah. 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 Cool means. Okay, now that we talked um, hunting and philosophy, uh, let's talk about Asmodeus. <laughs> uh, <boy. clears throat> so, Oriana, did she... A, know who she was talking to, and B, know that she's apparently a direct descendant of the King of the Nine Hells? 
I mean, like, I'm sure the dude's got a bunch of grandkids. That's still at least a medium deal. I mean, she looks an awful lot like her mother. She's aware that tieflings are a race in the world. I don't think Oriana's ever really had a thought of, you know, hey, where do tieflings come from? Where do baby <laughs> tieflings come from? Um, so, uh, no, she did not. She did not. Um, yeah, that, she, I, I don't honestly think she know would know who Asmodeus is. She'd probably be either. She'd probably be aware of him as like a concept mm -hmm. of like, you know, the and as much as like anybody Anyone. would be, yeah, yeah, like anybody would be aware of the devil in the real world or the concept of the devil in the real world. Um, so more or less, she probably knows that there is a Lord of the Nine Hells, but never really bothered putting a face to the name or anything like that. But once he kind of started talking, she kind of pieced together, oh no, oh no, <laughs> this guy is watching me. Yeah, I think this makes her like a hell princess of some kind maybe well I'm maybe sure she we'll takes get into the veil. we will we will get into uh lineage and all that in game i'm sure um yeah so what about that conversation uh you guys had he he made fun of you a bit but also offered you help you know this is another player and character gotta stay separate because I've talked with Serenity about the lore mm -hmm. of her world so much. So there are things I know that Oriana definitely doesn't. And I have to try and remember to keep those separate. But at the same time, she's not, not interested in taking his help. Um, it's definitely an option on the table. He's not really as far as she can tell, lied to her, it, you know, in some way. He's been truthful. He wasn't, you know, he was a know? little... Yeah. Well, exactly. How would you know? How but you again, know? I mean, there were like, no insight checks in that conversation at all, no, which but, shocked me. Yeah. No, but he said things that Oriana knows to be true, that she is... That she thinks are true. Isn't this the whole conversation we've been having? she knows about herself. Again, it's very Oriana's biggest flaw of mm -hmm. she will blindly trust someone if she doesn't think they're lying to her. Something that Asmodeus directly told you not to do. Exactly. And then you and, did. And, well, that's the <laughs> thing. Like, that she doesn't know how to process that yet because uh -huh. she knows he is being not necessarily, I don't want to say deceptive. She knows he's being selective of what he's talking about, but he is saying things that she at least believes about herself to be true. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the point, I think, of what he's trying to get her to realize is that, hey, these things are true about you. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Maybe it just means you need somebody to tell you what to do, and I can be that person for you, which she honestly would love. She would love somebody who can tell her what to do and what how to do it. Um, she has asked and been praying to Ayun for several days now of, like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've messed up. I need guidance. Help me. And I think that's part of the problem because Ayun very specifically mentioned to Oriana that she needs to find her own way, her own truth. Mm -hmm. And she keeps asking for other people's truths. <laughs> and that's... I mean, yeah. your grandpa can uh, provide some truths for you. Maybe. And that's grandpa the other Abby. side of the coin. Yeah, that's the other side of the coin. Although I guess if he's technically her nephew then she could what? trace her lineage. Yeah, he's, he's, he's called Ayun his aunt. In, the, in that conversation, yes. yeah. Oh, okay. He did. Um, because shout out to the DM for the incredible deities we're getting. Yeah. 
Um, I, I they are magnificent. Reference. <laughs> I love the details. Um, yeah, she, Oriana asked, like, why was he pretending to be Ayun? And he said something like, uh, oh, don't tell my aunt about that. She, she'd get really mad or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, no, it, it's, it's interesting to her. And she is very much going to be pondering this and overthinking it and making all the mistakes, most likely. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. she doesn't know yet. She doesn't know. There's this path forward where she gets essentially what she wants, which is somebody to guide her. Or she tries to do what she knows is the right choice because obviously she's recognized this flaw in herself and someone who is conventionally thought of as bad, quote unquote, is telling her, no, embrace that flaw. Uh, hmm. No, it wasn't. He was like, he was like, you gotta play smarter, girl. I can help. Well, I mean, there was that too. He he was uh, the the casual shade of, uh, you know, I'm I'm the D and D devil, but wow, what you did, wow. (laughs) So I'm I'm curious, Jake, are you tempted? Oh God. Has Asmodeus seduced you? Honestly, as a player and having talked to Serenity about some things, yes, I am very <laughs> tempted to have Oriana just go full into camp Asmodeus and just see how it plays out. But I know It'd I need to play it like Oriana. It'd be real interesting. It would be. It really would be. And that's kind so of why I secretly want to abandon it. But at the same time, Oriana's concept of Ayun is this... I don't even want to like describe it because to her, she's just this entity that embodies what she wants to be. And that's a core part of Oriana. So I don't know if Oriana could bear to part with the, that idea of like, I want to be like this person. One of, one of her uh, tra- characteristics or traits, I forget which, that I specifically wrote was mm-hmm. she wants to make a story worthy of the library of Hayu. She wants to make a story that Ayun would be proud of. And not like a, like a, you know, once upon a time story, like her own story. She wants mm-hmm. to be worthy of Ayun. Yeah. So it's it's going to take a lot of, of time for me as character and me as Oriana to figure out what would Oriana do? Well, you've got however long until the next crisis <laughs> knowing us um not this week since we're off but next week yeah <laughs> not this week because we're off um and then no what's the damage next week either um so we are now going to move on to our topic for the day which is burnout yay Yay. Okay, so let's talk about it. Um, so D&D is one of those hobbies that requires a bit of commitment, you might say. You have to learn a bunch of rules. You have to do like research and read books and do creative writing and campaigns can last for literal years. It's a huge emotional investment and also a huge time investment um and all that can take its toll so first question have either of you like felt the burnout with D? yes 100 percent, absolutely tell me with, about it with this group actually which um wasn't necessarily well not this group specifically but when i say this group i'm talking about uh the larger overarching group um i was running two campaigns at once for Mm -hmm. uh serenity laura chad and a few other people um one on wednesday one on uh fridays before we started doing this and the the second one was curse of strahd um Mm -hmm. which has now sort of been remolded into our monday game um but I, I thought it would be, you know, easy enough since it was a module. I just need to read the module a little bit and do all that. But between the two campaigns work and all the other stuff I had going on in my life, it was just too much. And I found myself devoting less and less time to that Curse of Strahd game 
and it started to become apparent in the gameplay and i was very disappointed in myself with that so i actually had to uh formally <laughs> tender my resignation uh in a way and just kind of ask the group like hey guys i i don't think i can do this anymore i mean i haven't i mean i'll see like right now we play i play three times a week um monday wednesday and friday um with the same group of people and then I've sort of got a pickup game all of a sudden with uh, Chad running a game for like three three people at home. And so it's a lot. And there are times when I'm like, I'm so tired. I don't know that I can get into the session. But then I sit down at the table and I get my dice out and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I can do this. And it feels better to play than it would have been to lay down and not do. Um, but I think that part of that is the quality of the games I'm in and the people I'm playing with, because I did at one point, um, in the bad game that we reference quite a bit, um, start to feel like dreading it every time. Like I, Oh God, Friday's coming and I'm going to have to play this game. I'm gonna have to get into this character and I'm not enjoying it anymore. And I'm so, so tired. I'd rather take a nap than, than play my warlock. And that's the point at which I was like, mm, maybe stop. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, I'm in three really good games and then a pickup game that's also really great and the people are great. So it's, it's more fun for me to sit down and even if we have a session that is nothing but nonsense or nothing but absolute angst because welcome to Strahd, um, <sighs> And even if it's, if it's a night, um, even if it's a night when my character just gets the shit kicked out of her, both emotionally and physically, I enjoy it so much that it's easy for me. And because I'm just a player, it's easy for me to just like get in the game and then be done for the evening and not feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. But if I were DMing, it'd probably be another story. Yeah. See, you guys, you guys amaze me and especially like Serena you plays like four games a week still I think or did one of them end I don't know she's only got three now yeah only got three now see I've got two games a week one of them's not even D&D and then this and that is like right on the verge of being too much for me <laughs> I'm like only so much creative juice in this person um cool beans so what would you guys say is like the are the main contributors to burnout um as a player not enough interest in the character you're playing usually i would say Mm, um the only time i've ever really experienced any kind of burnout with a, a a character was when i didn't understand the character i was playing which sounds like this big meta like oh my god so i'm i'm gonna put deep in the rabbit hole or something kind of thing but really i just i made a character based off of a gimmicky concept of this anime character but this and then i just never gave any more thought to the character who they were and when i started playing it i was just kind of like but then once i started realizing the character through interactions with the other players it got better yeah Yeah, I think that's a big problem. I think there's also, there's a lot of emotional investment. Like, I find myself more emotionally tired than anything. Like, if you have, like, three sessions of just deep, dark, in-the-shit RP and angst, and and you're, you're really down and dirty in, like, some serious conflict, you come off feeling like you've just run a marathon, because you've devoted so much of your emotional energy to playing this character and you've had to decide, okay, well now I'm just going to embody this. Um, and that's where I tend to get really, you know, close to burnout um, is just like the emotional dedication to it. Interesting. Personally, I think, just having too much stuff because like 
we're all adults with jobs and stuff. Uh, Jake has a week off because he's a teacher and he sucks. Um, but like, yeah, just having too much stuff. Like I know for a fact, like if I tried to do another game right now, I would have zero energy for any of the games, especially because my job has got a whole lot more complicated. Um, I work in COVID. Um, but yeah, and I think also being super angsty, like Laura was saying, like if there's not enough lighthearted stuff in a, in a session, then I kind of zone out a little bit. I'm like, okay, there are not the goofs. I'm here for goofs and some angst but also goose um it's probably a player um style thing as well like because i think um both you and jake were talking about like if you aren't feeling connected or are feeling too connected for whatever reason then that can contribute to kind of uh, a drag on you as a player so probably if you're not feeling fulfilled in any way because the game is not um, giving you what you want or is just too much or whatever that will probably contribute to. Um, yeah, it's getting very theoretical. <laughs> well, I also definitely agree with the too much stuff. I mean, right yeah. now I work full time. I go to school full time to get my graduate degree. Mm -hmm. We have kids and I'm playing three times a week and I'm dealing with pandemic anxiety. So it's a lot all the time. It's a lot all the time. <laughs> Um, so sometimes it's just like overwhelming and because also I'm an introvert, mm -hmm. there's only so much in the social battery that I have to give. Um, and I always say like, I'm, I only have so much to give to being with people and certain people aren't people in that sense. Like I can spend a ton of time with Chad and not feel any kind mm -hmm. of drain because he's not that People. I'm not people. Shut up, <laughs> Um, And to some extent, the D&D group doesn't count as people I have to deal with because we've been playing together for almost a year now or more. And it's like a year and a half, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? um, it, was, been, it was July when we all first started playing together. The, the core group. I yeah, say. the core. Yeah. Huh. So like we've become like really, really good friends on top of like a D&D game. So like I can spend more time with y'all than I could in the beginning because I'd be like, okay, no, I'm done. Strangers. Too many people. <laughs> I have to go and recharge. And now I'm going to have to sit for three hours and just be alone. Okay. Um, so well, that's really hard. Glad too, not sometimes. to be a person in your eyes. Honored not to be a person. <laughs> Uh, cool beans. So like as, as players, what can you do to sort of like monitor yourself and make sure you're not getting run down? Um, in terms of uh, if it's just too much stuff, I think you need to start prioritizing what it is that makes you happy in life. Because as, mm -hmm. as, as much as we all love D&D here and would love everybody to love D&D, if a character or a game is not bringing enough positivity into your life, then mm -hmm. it's it's fine to let it go. Just like, you know, cutting a toxic person out of your life. If something is not making your life better, you don't need to hold on to it out of some sense of duty or anything like that. Marie um, Kondo that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Does it really not bring you joy? joy? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and if, if it is, and you're still struggling to like, well, what do I, what do I do then? find some in my personal opinion then find some way to make it feel more maybe if you're in a group where you don't really all talk that much outside of game maybe try and make it a closer knit fan group mm -hmm. so that you you mm -hmm. enjoy just talking to these people more and that would yeah. in turn make the game a little bit better because then it becomes less of like a, we're all just people playing dnd together and no we are friends playing dnd together oh i definitely agree um, I a hundred percent agree with the, does this spark joy theory? Um, because honestly, if you've got 600 things to do and D and D is not making you happy for some reason, if it's a game or a bad group, walk away. You're not obligated to stay in a bad game. You're not obligated to play with people you can't stand. Let it go and walk away. I've left home games with people who are still dear friends who have been in my wedding 
we just can't play D&D together. And that's okay. Um, Not everyone's compatible. Exactly. Um, and like, I'm, I'm a scheduled person. Like I have, you know, I, I like my planner. I like to know when stuff is. And like actually being organized about like where my time is going really helps me to not feel overwhelmed by everything. So nothing is burning me out because I'm like, oh shit, I have a D&D game tonight and I haven't done, you know, I haven't, I'm, I've got all this other stuff I haven't done too. So I can't, I can't have my free time, which leads to more burnout because then I feel guilty because I'm either going to play D&D and leave homework sitting there for six hours and then like struggle to finish it in the last hour before it's due, or I could, you know, actually schedule my time, get my homework and stuff done like a responsible person. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, and then still have time to do the thing that makes me happiest. Mm-hmm. Cool. I would also say that if you are having trouble enjoying a game that you honestly don't know what the issue is, like it's with your friends, it's a character you like, that it's a DM style you enjoy. Look at other things in your life because if you're, if you're having trouble enjoying something that you should by all rights be enjoying, like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating enough? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, do you have anxiety about other things in life? Is it COVID? Um, do you have, are you having a depressive episode? It could be a million things. Mm-hmm. So just like keep an eye on your own mental health in every way possible. And meditate. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because a lot of times I realize, like, I'm not enjoying D&D. It's my favorite thing. Why? And it turns out, oh, no, I'm just anxious because the world seems to be on fire. Maybe I should do something about that anxiety level. And when I do, then the game becomes fun again. Mm -hmm. Because it's not sitting there in the back of my mind screaming at me and distracting me from my fun. Keep an eye on yourselves, y'all. Okay, cool. So we've talked a lot about players, but what makes a DM burn out? Um, And is there anything players can do to like support a DM who doesn't seem like they're having fun anymore? The most common reason for burnout I hear from DMs is just too much on your plate. Um, So the obvious you know, follow-up would be what we all just discussed, which is, are you enjoying this game? Is it, you know, a player? Is it the stress of everything applies there? But in addition, it, it also could just be that maybe you don't like the world you created anymore. And I'm going to get a very rude comment from Laura, I think, coming up here. But I'm one of those guys who comes up with a million different campaign ideas and it's like a kid in the candy store. I can't decide what I want anymore. We've discussed this and what you should do about this problem. Haven't we? (laughs) I'm buying you a journal for Christmas. Um, This is a running joke in the discord. Join the discord. Yes. Join the discord. (laughs) (laughs) We harass Jake about his million ideas and tell him, no, focus on what you've got. Um, Um, so it's one of those things where in that case you need to sort of reevaluate you know maybe it's the campaign maybe it's something going wrong we just recently talked in the discord about one of the problems i was having with our wednesday game which was that this was a game made almost like three years ago but we've only been playing it for about a year and a half because i've had that many different groups of players come through this game the old, you know, is the broom still the same broom if you remove the handle and then remove the, mm-hmm. the bristles? Yeah. Like, it is a completely different broom at this point. Nobody who started day one is still playing the game. And a lot of the storylines I've continued have, have not really accounted for that. So it's like I'm telling the story of people who aren't there. And it's been very helpful advice that I've gotten from the group of go back cut out the things that don't make sense, cut out the things that don't apply to us, rework the lore if you have to, it doesn't matter, we're okay with it. So talk to your players if you're a DM experiencing burnout because they are your, well, they are your players. They are your greatest resource in terms of figuring out what can I do to make this enjoyable? 
Definitely support your DMs. They are yeah. actually also a player. Yeah, DMs are um, people too. DMs are people too. Yeah, these <laughs> are people too. Uh, this question is kind of sort of all on Jake as far as DM burnout because currently I have mm-hmm. a campaign I'm going to potentially soon. start soon. Soon, uh, soon TM Icewind Dale. Um, but uh, as a player, like I've had DMs experience burnout. You know, mm-hmm. I've we've had long conversations, Jake and I, about like, well, what what can I do to help? You're struggling. I can see you're struggling. You're my friend. What can I do to help? Recognizing that this game is not for the players and the players alone. If the DM is not enjoying themselves, then the game is not what it's meant to be. We are all equal partners in this game. And if you see that your DM is struggling, reach out. I mean, all they can say is, no, I don't need your help. Mm -hmm. But saying, hey, bud, I love this game. How do we fix it? really to me seems like one of the best things to do. And the other thing is I've noticed that it's really hard for a DM to enjoy DMing players who don't engage. Please engage. Cause D- watching a DM, watching a DM struggle because no, nobody is engaging, like being the one player engaging in a, in a, in a game and watching your DM literally just talk to you. You can tell when it starts to get bad engage mm-hmm. so it doesn't get there be an active participant yeah. in the game do weird shit steal a horse yeah steal a horse steal a, bunch um, of steal a horse um, to a town do something fun um start a revolution just for shits a, and giggles um past revolutions i'll start that way that's not true not true don't cancel me um <laughs> <laughs> Philippines. Okay, so sort of on the converse side of um, reverse converse, whatever side of that question, is there anything DMs can do to like mitigate player burnout? Is it just the same issue of communicate? I, I definitely think that's the same step one. You know, yeah. keep an eye on your players. If somebody who used to engage a lot is not engaging talk to them figure out what's going on yeah May, you know maybe it's just something as simple as oh, i was tired that night all right yeah you're fine or maybe it's well i don't know i'm just not feeling this character anymore they're not doing you know i i, I don't like it anymore and then consider your options uh, we just got tasha's which has all these different ways of sort of changing your character all these i shouldn't say ways of changing all these options for allowing you to change your character in certain ways. And if you work with your players and sort of reimagine the character within legit rules of the game now, yeah, um, it, it can do a lot to sort of revitalize. I experienced something like that in our Strahd game where I made a Circle of Spores Druid in Barovia where 90% of everything is resistant to necrotic damage. <laughs> It's a good character concept. It's a great character concept. Bad place to play it if you wanted to actually be useful. <laughs> so, no, you know, I worked. You know, it also had that issue of creating zombies and the party of people who weren't going to tolerate that zombie too. creation. You know. They could have learned to love the zombies. No. Maybe. I play a literal avenging angel. That was not going to happen. Um, there was also yeah. that whole thing of she kind of lied to the group so they didn't trust her to begin with around the time that she got the chance to summon zombies so maybe got over it. they got over it a um, little bit but no I agree right. communication is probably yeah. the biggest thing like if you see a player that seems to be struggling reach out like that's why I advocate like if you can be good friends with your group because I know that if I am struggling, I can shoot Serenity a message and be like, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Or I can, you know, yell at Jake, help. And they will help me help. because <laughs> help. Um, help. I am I am stuck. Um, there's a lot of trust that needs to be there because if you can't trust each other to work together, then burnout's going to be even more likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't trust a DM to handle my character's backstory 
or my DM can't trust me to go with the plot at least a little bit, then um, <laughs> just a little bit. Little like, plot, little plot. Follow, follow the plot line. You can get into whatever shenanigans you want, but just like keep in mind that the plot exists, please. Um, then that's how burnout tends to happen. Like if we're on two different paths, then we're going to get exhausted. Cool beans. Um, so do you guys have any secrets, tips, weird tricks that doctors don't want you to know about for kind of preventing or curing burnout? Um, I did research this. I researched all these episodes, BTW. So um, if they seem completely cobbled together, that's my own fault and forget that I did research. Um, <laughs> I've heard that like uh, changing things up can be a simple like cure or way to cut through burnout, like making games shorter or making them longer or switching to a bi-weekly schedule or playing other games like on game night sometimes. The general consensus seemed to be like, if you're stuck in a rut, the best way to cure that is to do something different. Do you think that's accurate? I think so. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> nine times out of 10 burnout to me seems to be just, you know, I'm just tired. I, I'm, I'm not feeling up to it this week. Uh, and in that case, yeah, just doing something different might be um, enough to just kind of counteract the burnout or even, you know, help you get reinvested in the character. We've done things you know, where we've taken like a week off and I've been 10 times more excited to come back and mm -hmm. play mm -hmm. uh, just because I didn't get to play last week. You know, um, not that I've ever really approached uh, this game with any sort of like, a, well, I don't know if I'm feeling, a, you know, right <laughs> to play this. Um, Do I really want to play D&D? &D? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to be honest, sometimes I'm like, what if I play video games instead? What if I say I had a headache? But then I always have fun once I start, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, just sometimes just taking a break. Yeah. Um, sometimes a week off and y'all just hang out and play a dumb game where you yell at each other about being suspicious. And then the next week you're like, okay, well, let's roll some freaking dice. Um. And also yell at each other for being suspicious, but with dice this time. But with dice, and you can check. Um, maybe, maybe you'll roll a decent deception check. Maybe. Um, but, like, I think, honestly, changing it up is often the best way to get, you know, get things going again. Revamp your character. Spend a week thinking about what is, what is bothering me so much. Or spend, spend a, week a week not thinking, thinking about D&D yeah. &D for a week. <laughs> Do something else. Um, Take a okay, breather. Cool. Awesome. Do you guys have any closing notes? Because we're going to finish up. Um, one other thing I like to do, if mm -hmm. I'm having, if, if I'm experiencing burnout from like character issues, you set up like a meeting with your DM and just role play out your character a little bit. Um, I've gotten the chance to do that with Serenity a couple of times with Oriana and with other characters, and it's a godsend of like how much it helps me figure out a character. Mm -hmm. In terms, just like a like a ten minute like, let's just talk to each other in character, and it it's amazing how much it does. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the best thing I can tell people is to if you're feeling like if it ever becomes like an obligation, and I don't mean that in the, well, I said I would show up, but in the, this is now a chore, mm. then you have to take a breather and realize this is for fun. This is a game. We, we do this every week for an audience on Friday nights, but it's still a game. And if you think about it as this is meant to be fun, this is not meant to feel like you're required to grab that D20. Then it really helps you to keep going and, and keep relaxing and enjoy the mm -hmm. game rather than feel like you're at work. 
you're probably not getting paid for it unless you are in which case congratulations congrats i'm maybe a little jealous <laughs> we're very jealous if you're getting <laughs> paid to play D. <laughs> i would love that love that nothing right? oh my god maybe someday we'll have a patreon imagine patreon <sighs> Okay, cool. That's all our time for today. <laughs> um, speaking of money, if you want to check out our store, we've got t-shirts and tank tops. And I think that's it. And um, mugs. We have mugs. And mugs. And we have mugs too. Get real excited about those mugs. It is now hot chocolate season yes. officially. So get yourself a mug. Check out our Twitter. Check out our other videos on our Twitch. Check out our YouTube. Come to our discord you can finally understand all the um inside jokes we pepper into these shows i'm sure you're very confused about those but come we'll explain them to you um no no game on friday for the holiday then no what's the damage next week because there's no games i won't have anything to talk about thank you so much for watching um thank you to sunburnly meows for doing our music and our uh title screen uh, we love them. We love you. Happy holidays. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you stay inside your COVID bubble. Please, God, don't, don't gather in groups of more than six people. Okay. Please <laughs> stay safe. You. Please stay <laughs> safe and socially distant. We'd like yes. to leave our houses at some point in relative <laughs> Some, safety. Someday, probably next year. Someday okay. I want to go in a game store again for real and buy Bye. dice instead of buying on them on Amazon. Please. Oh. Imagine, do you remember game stores, you guys? Do you remember game stores? The smell of them. Okay, good night. Anyway, we love you guys. We're leaving now.